Hello, and welcome to Cosmic Cassette, an exploration into the sonic unknown. I'll be inviting the artists, DJs, producers and labels who carry the mantle for sound across the musical sphere. I'll be asking my guests to pick five tracks that were particularly formative in their musical journey and which they would like to send up to space on a cassette tape to teach a newly discovered alien life force about life on Earth. My name is Matt Redley, the host of the podcast. I'm a music obsessive and a lover of all things otherworldly. And I'm looking forward to exploring new worlds in sound with you. We'll journey through galaxies and past stars together to send my guest transmissions to our extraterrestrial friends. My guest is Rohan Rackett, a DJ, broadcaster, actor, and one of the minds behind Daytimers, an arts collective championing South Asian talent in the creative industries. Since graduating from Nottingham University studying history, where he nurtured creativity through radio, he's since focused on acting and DJing. In 2023, he hit his rhythm across both, graduating from Lambda, which is the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, performing in Pygmalion at the Old Vic Theatre in London, and taking part in Rhythm Section's Future Proof Mentorship Programme, alongside a packed schedule of DJing. Alongside being one of the minds of Mephil, a poetry, live music and community group and event series spotlighting South Asian talents in spoken word and poetry communities and helping to start Sister Midnight FM, a Lewisham-based community radio station to uplift local talent. A passion for community and the joy of connection shines across his work. I hope you enjoy. Rohan, welcome to Cosmic Cassette. Thank you for having me. That was a lovely introduction, by the way. Bring up yourself. Not at all. Not at all. Just thinking about your life and your work so far, I felt like the desire to connect and seeing others being moved by creative work feels like a really big theme across your work and something that really drives you. Does that bring true to you? Yeah, I think it does. I love how art can move people and educate people change perceptions challenge ideas so say i'm going on a night out or something i usually remember the the faces and the the reactions more than the specific fun that was had in the night you know like i sort of punctuate my life with moments of joy in that way and like even thinking of something like daytime the memories i can remember more clearly are like the things which really really moved me yeah i don't know i don't know why i don't know why i think like that Obviously, nature and nurture are meant to be two major parts of who you are, and it feels like a nature-focused feel to that inbuilt joy-seeking aspect. Yeah, maybe it is. I think a lot of what I do and what actor training is as well, which I've been doing for the past two years, is all really rooted in empathy as well. And being able to listen and the skill of listening, both to what people are saying, but also like, what people are giving you 
on stage, for example. Yeah, maybe that's why it's a massive driving force. Just that that desire to connect with someone and reading people, I find yeah really interesting as well. But this is this is this is the deep start of the podcast. We love it. We love it. <laughs> well, I thought where better place to start than your deep soul, you know? Yes, mate. Yeah, I suppose the acting and the empathy that comes with it. Definitely want to get into that later on but I suppose throwing it back to where it all started and the start of the journey that you're on now specifically with DJing tracing it back to your musical roots at home I know that your dad played cello to a really high standard and he had classical music around the house a lot as a result he must have been really important in your musical journey how was that having that around the house all the time yeah he definitely was it was it was really great. It was also quite alienating. I think classical music is really inaccessible unless you have the privilege of having like paid lessons from a young age. So whilst it was playing out around the house all the time, I found it difficult to connect with and identify with. It's only really now that I'm sort of looking back at my musical memories, as it were, and I'm now like appreciating how important that education was in that way and even that just taking us to different concerts and in car journeys like we listened to loads of like different cds and there wasn't really a choice in that but it was it was brilliant and yeah i think i I find classical music and the structure of it being in movements i just find them really moving and it feels like a really lovely way of storytelling in a way that opera is as well and yeah i really hope to see an opera one day i'm really intrigued by that form but yeah definitely really really important part of my life yeah definitely perhaps it'd be a good time to hear your first track that you're going to be sending up to space yeah i hope the martians like this one this is one that was playing out in the house a lot and in the cars i've already mentioned it's it's bark but performed by Yo-Yo Ma, cello suite number one in G major. Yeah, and uh, I think I think people recognise it. You hear a scary classical music title, and you're like, right, yeah, you've lost me. But um, it's a very recognisable tune. It's something that I I can hear in any setting, and I will I will think of my dad, and I will think of just being younger. We went to go see Yo-Yo Ma. I think it was my first classical music concert as a kid perform at the Royal Albert Hall as part of the BBC Proms. And it was this movement and this piece that as a young person completely blew me away. And his tone and command of the instrument, so effortless. You know when musicians are like, oh, my, my violin is like an extension of my arm. It's all right, mate. But actually, it was breathtaking. Nice, that was Bach and played by Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah, that must have absolutely blown you away when you first heard it. Yeah, especially with with a full orchestra. You, you can't help but be moved. So that was obviously a formative period, diving into classical music, and then you went through school days, and I know you got into acting a bit there as well, didn't you? Just by virtue of having really good drama facilities and getting stuck into that. How, how did you find that period? It was great. I went to a school that really appreciated both music and drama particularly. So I was really blessed in that sense. And I was quite a quiet kid. 
and underconfident kid. So I think my parents were quite relieved when I sort of found drama as a way of like me coming out of my shell. I remember the first proper school play I did sort of got sprung on me as opposed to me sort of signing up. Some genius of a student wanted to do all three Lord of the Rings films on stage in half in half an hour. No. It's just ridiculous, right? But yeah, it happened. Some other short South Asian kid with a premature moustache and bowl haircut got casted as Pippin and they needed another to play the brother, Mary. So it was sort of thrust upon me, you know, and it's crazy to think that all these years later, it's a nice little weird racial story there and how I fell in love with acting. Yeah, not your average first experience. And then you stuck with it. Right. It wasn't self-putting to just be thrust into something that you hadn't initially thought of doing. No, I mean, it was so low stakes. We all knew it was going to be crap, I guess. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I just loved it. And I loved the sort of community building that happens when you're on stage and working on a production. And that sense of fight or flight, like especially with theatre as, as opposed to film or TV or when you're doing a job. It's different every single night and every time you do it. And you're constantly exploring and and playing and responding to whatever your peers are giving you or the audience are giving you as well. I, I guess like a live musical improvisation, like improv is a conversation. Yeah, I think theatre is such a, a raw art form in that way where you really can take it anywhere and get lost completely. And then you moved to Nottingham University and I think you got quite stuck into to radio there, didn't you? Yeah, I started a radio show in my second week of university, a weekly radio show, which looking back now is a massive ask, but it was so much fun. I'm just having a regular platform to discover loads of new music and the fact that I could just play anything on my own terms was brilliant. So I threw myself into radio and then DJing came as a result of that. I think my radio show was just sort of getting a bit of a following and yeah, then things just sort of started spiraling where people are like, hey, do you want to play here? I was just like lying to them like, yeah, I know how to do this. But I was, I was playing music I loved. So I was never afraid of what people would think about the music. I think just technically I was dead. I owe a lot to it. I just kept going with it really. And how do you think your taste has changed since those early shows? Because I, I was doing a show for three years. I think each year we, we sort of reinvented what the show was. So it started off very UK jazz, jazz, neo-soul, funk-focused. And then later on that evolved and became more dance music-focused and club-focused. But yeah, I think the roots of, of the show were always to do with supporting emerging artists and sounds that were somewhat jazz-adjacent or jazz-aligned. I studied history and I sort of ended up doing my dissertation in a sort of history and ethnomusicology world. I don't really understand how they let me. I kept annoying the jazz professor in the music department. They had this amazing module, which was focused on the history of jazz music. So every every lecture and seminar, you just immerse yourself in like free jazz or like modal jazz or bebop. It was like the best thing I did at uni, which wasn't even in my degree. But yeah, I um, bugged him. He let me join and I picked up Mervyn Cook. So he was just happy for you to join and just sit at the back, I guess. Yeah. They were like, yeah, you can sort of do this module that isn't in your degree and it can count towards your degree. I was like, okay, great. 
but yeah, it was really enriching and nice to know that I could actually explore aspects of my interest through my history degree. So I wrote a lot about free jazz in the 70s and parallels between how the free jazz industry in inverted commas operated and wider trends in African-American politics in the 70s and namely more countercultural things like the Black Panthers. So it was really nice to link an alien sound, free jazz, which you like just can't, you can't listen to because it's just gross with politics and radical counterculture. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. And it sounds like you got so much out of that time. Back to the university era, what's your second track that you're going to be sending up to space? Yeah, the second track is a track called Lights Out, Words Gone by Bombay Bicycle Club. So they actually went to my school and were such a pivotal band for me because they changed their sound with every album. They did a really folky acoustic album, Floors, and more electronic Indian-inspired album. But yeah, they formed a big part of my musical upbringing, especially when I was link- listening to more guitar music. At the same time as doing my radio show in Nottingham, I play guitar and play guitar in bands as well. So yeah, they hold a very dear space in my heart. I also interviewed them when they played Rock City, Nottingham's famous Rock City. So yeah, this song definitely reminds me of my uni days. I was going to touch on the the Boiderum set because it felt like that really put your crew on the map in a really big way what's it like being at the center of a viral moment we had the young sing shield which was a nice shield so it wasn't all on on me at least but it was it was just an amazing feeling and the sort of outpour of emotion that we experienced from especially in my dms of south asians from around the world who were really identifying with what we were doing or trying to do and just having a global platform like boiler room giving the cosign to the community work that that you're trying to do and the intentions of the collective was a really special thing so yeah it was a bit mental as well like it was it was definitely really overwhelming and obviously there was a huge amount more exposure on the collective and a, a lot more conversation on you guys as a whole how did your life change after that was uploaded i think there was a responsibility that came for all of us that played in that boiler room where we didn't actually realize but we'd sort of be flying the flag for something and we're flying a flag for these people we're flying a flag for the sound so i think i was definitely naive going into it but of course no one knows they're going to be part of a viral moment until they are but yeah, definitely that sense of responsibility and trust that Young Sing placed in me for taking this set, I felt really honoured by, you know, someone someone just looking at what you're doing, you know what, you're actually really good and you really, you really, you really love your music and you really know your music, like go out there and show some people what you can do. So I think a lot of my community work and work to uplift younger emerging creatives or just providing spaces for people definitely comes from the fact that I was afforded that privilege as well. 
and that changed my life and if i could provide those opportunities for even one person i will be a very happy creative being yeah so it's a big a big driving force for me you know yeah yeah absolutely very and i think it'd be good to hear your third track what's the third track you'd like to send up to space the third track i'd like to send up to space with a band is vadana tod by bali sagu excuse the pronunciation but it's a track that just reminds me of everything that we built and the sounds that we're repping as well and i i remember a lot of the issues that i had coming out of the boiler room were based on the Punjabi garage edits that I played going viral and dealing with the sort of racialized bookings that came in as a result of that for the next year. But for me, especially Bali is a really expansive producer in the in the dub influences and raga influences behind this production. And this album, this track is off Bollywood flashback, is where the, the whole album is just like reinterpretations of Bollywood's anthems and classics that you just hear at weddings but so it like infused with like jungle or like dub yeah so it was a really lovely moment discovering his music of like daytime isn't like a sonic movement it's much more political and there is space to celebrate ourselves and our musical intersections freely so that this album particularly was a really refreshing thing to hear um so yeah hope you enjoy it Yeah, just such a sick track. Thinking about that track, do you remember that track when Daytimeless was coming to fruition or was that more like later on after the, the boiler room and once it was more established? No, it was definitely early days. A lot of the reading that I was doing as well, being the history, ethnomusicology geek that I am, just like reading about the different spaces and labels and producers behind the movement and their influences. So I think we all realised having a collective that is a namesake of a movement you need to know everything about or try and educate yourself about what came before to sensitively and yeah like accurately try and build something from those ashes so yeah the history of the first daytimers we're really consciously trying to fly the flag for and they're still involved in conversations and what we're doing we're bringing them back to new audiences we did a residency at Phonox in August. So every Saturday, we collaborated with Nasha Records, who have been experimenting and flying the flag for like drum and bass, jungle driven, Asian underground, you could call it. It's a really cool label. But it just felt amazing to be able to be like, you know what? This is your space. You've got this many hours. Just do it. And they got like, all the old residents and crew who they've obviously been playing parties for like longer than I'd been alive and they were just going back to back to back to back all night long and it was incredible I just I just stood at the back of, of that tiny booth in Bonox like losing my mind that's that's so sick and that feels really profound to be putting together something that's new and to be the next generation along taking influences from what they were doing and then to be standing at the back thinking that this is the next step along a lineage of a series of ideas, it gives me shivers. Thank you, Adam. And no doubt for everyone in the room as well. And what's so clear is the community 
feel to your work and I suppose that brings me on to talking about methyl as well because it feels like that's another real push to bring together South Asian talent but more in a spoken word and poetry setting what was the inspiration of pulling that together and what are you currently doing with methyl at the moment I guess the the inspiration behind the the event series I was I appreciating the reach that daytimers had in connecting with the wider music industry and artistic industry to extent where like you've got incredible companies emailing me like hey do you have any one of this skill set like we, we sort of like became some weird recruitment consultancy slash rave slash label you know so it's like okay cool there's clearly there's like a desire to push this as far as possible and people in our dms what can we do to uplift creatives that aren't in underground music or maybe don't don't have the privilege of going to a rave are sober like are more religious and will need a space to pray i don't know i think there needs to be a space and in, in this movement where people can connect and foster community on on different terms that aren't to do with losing your mind or being a musical freak so we established Mayfield to celebrate spoken word artistry live music which is more classical uh, or hindustani classical kawali focused on more like subcontinental classical sounds or just people that are really doing interesting things within the live music space yeah uh, so it's, ju- it's just a different way of celebrating different artists so i've been trying to fly the flag for that as much as possible we were about to work with tara theater which is the uk's oldest south asian theater company Famed for where goodness gracious me was uh, conceived in their southwest london rehearsal studio yeah we were about to do a series of events but the incredible trailblazer that is abdul sheikh sadly passed away at the end of last year so that's on pause but hopefully that event series will come back but we're also doing a lot more projects this year that will provide sort of mentored or like creative engagement strategies for people where we can take a cohort and really take them on a journey with certain projects and hopefully people that love art that don't know how to access it are trying to reach out to those sort of people and that's young people but also older people as well who didn't have the privilege exploring their own artistry as young people you know because of familial pressures or the pressures of just making money as an immigrant so we're, we're looking at uplifting more people across the global majority as well within methyl and not specifically keeping it south asian focused so i think that it's a very broad event series but there's a lot we can do to help people within it so if anyone's listening and is from the global majority and wants to connect with like-minded artists and explore their own artistry even if you've never done so before just drop me a message i can tell you more about it yeah amazing I think it might be a good time to hear your fourth track. What's the next track that you be sending up to space? So this next track is called Concierto de Aranjez. Might have butchered that, probably have again. It's by Miles Davis and Gil Evans, their collaboration on one of my favourite albums of all time called Sketches of Spain. And this was a track that I discovered at university and wrote about extensively when I was studying jazz. And it's it's such an amazing track for me because 
it introduced me to this whole subgenre called third stream that exists within jazz. And third stream is where jazz meets classical music, essentially. So this this album was recorded with a 19-piece band where it's a fusion of sort of European classical with jazz, with a more like Arabic melodies that run throughout it as well. Miles Davis is one of my favorite artists of all time. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. It's an amazing journey. That was Concierto de Aran Juez. Well, that's my best attempt at it, but surely have butchered that as well. Such a special piece of music. And then I suppose jumping forward a bit, we came to Daytimers, which is still very much alive and kicking and alongside that i know the acting side of things is still a really big part obviously the lord of the rings days are over sadly sadly but the acting on stage and in film is a big part of your life and it felt like last year was really big for you on that front you had a massive film come out rye lane which you starred in and then also you were acting on the old vic for a play called Pygmalion. How did you find that last year, juggling, DJing a lot, and then the acting side of things? It was an amazing year. Definitely the best year of my life so far. I think because I've been in training for two years, and I I think people in the music industry maybe don't appreciate it, but actor training is really intensive. We were on our feet all day. We'd be exploring quite vulnerable things i think performing in any sense makes you feel vulnerable but at least with djing i can hide behind the fact that i'm playing other people's music but it was amazing to see rylane come out and see people slowly spot me in it i mean you say starring in it i've got a couple lines but it was it was an amazing project to film back in 2021 so yeah it, these things take a while to come out uh, but yeah the, especially being in the old vic i finished my training at lambda and had a week off and then the following week, started rehearsals for that play, which was just incre- an incredible experience, you know, performing to 2,000 people every single night, working with some of Britain's heavyweight actors and Patsy Ferran, Bertie Carvel, the list goes on, you know, it was, a, it was an incredible cast. So yeah, I learned even more about myself and about the craft and you learn so much about watching other people, how they conduct themselves in the rehearsal room, how they discover things about their character it was an unbelievable year and it was also the first year where I felt comfortable enough in calling myself an actor I think which was a big a big stepping stone and it sounds like right now you've got acting going strong and then the DJing is also going strong and I suppose there's a tendency in society to be labeled as one thing but you feel the need to be one or the other yeah I, I struggled with the balance I still get asked that question now. I think it's such an interesting thing that people just can't conceive the fact that you do more than one thing. But I was talking to my dad about this the other day, my dad being a, a, a consultant working in the NHS, and he's saying that people in his field get stressed out um, by him. I was like, it, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm a surgeon. I'm a academic. I'm a teacher. Like, there, there are all these things that people can straddle. So I definitely get that multifaceted approach from him which I didn't appreciate until really recently but yeah I found my peace with it and I think it can work and there are loads of examples of amazing people that are making it work 
and I look at people like Riz Ahmed who are straddling loads of creative disciplines. There's my guy Idris Elba, who who's to say I can't be the South Asian Idris Elba, you know, actor DJ. There's there's no one who can say that. So yeah, which would be a hilarious idea. Hopefully I'm a better DJ than him. And yeah, I'd back myself in a versus set if anyone wants to make that happen. Yeah. But yeah. Oh God, that has to happen. Idris, if you're listening to this, mate, hit us up and your next B2B is set. At Tola as well. We'll book it in at Tola. Oh yeah, that'll that'll sell out in 0.2 seconds. They all do anyway. Yeah, no change there. Just another day in the life. Yeah, I think... I enjoy your music more than Idris Elba's. I think he's probably going for the more like Ibiza, Las Vegas end of things, isn't he? I think that's one of the nicest compliments I've ever received about my music career so far. So I might put that in my Instagram bio. Okay, yeah. Plays better tunes than Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, that's yours, mate. That that compliment. Thank you. No problem at all. I suppose it'd be a good time to hear your fifth track you'd like to stand up to space yeah this album heaven by cleo soul i was listening to a lot around the time where we were rehearsing for pygmalion and performing it particularly she's just got such an incredibly emotive and vulnerable voice and this track i think i picked love will lead you there I used to listen to it in the old Vic dressing room before a show with my headphones and it would just get me to a really lovely, calm state that any school of thought about acting stresses the importance of relaxation and calm before going on stage. Having the ability to be calm and present and relaxed to let things affect you and sort of move through you. So yeah, it was a really nice meditative album for me to get into that state so yeah this song i will forever hear and associate with those four months at the old vic wicked well rohan i think that brings us to the end of our chat and absolutely loved chatting to you hearing your story and what really shines through is hearing such a deep love for music but also bringing people together and uplifting the people around you and just really looking forward to seeing where it takes you next it feels like there's so many different directions in which you're putting energy into and it'll be absolutely wicked to see what comes because uh, across the DJing and the acting and then the community work feels like you're on a roll thank you mate yeah it means a lot been really good to chat just as a final question how do you think the aliens that we're going to be sending your tunes up to are going to receive those tracks wow you know there's such a mix of music in those five tracks they might be a bit confused but then i I also feel that it will probably like lull them and yeah there's an allure there i think the sounds are just very heavenly so it might give them some fomo and then they'll just have to come come to tola yeah come to (laughs) come to the b2b with idris yeah man that's it <laughs> I hope. also was there anything else coming up that you particularly want to shout out or anything that you want to spotlight before we finish up just gigging regularly this year which i'm really grateful for but also doing it on my own terms with promoters and people that i really love and value so that's really exciting 
going to be playing at a few festivals this summer, which again, very grateful for the trust there. But you will see me cur- curating a lot more stuff and nights and spaces, which is something I've been meaning to do for a while. But yeah. All right, Rohan, thanks so much for coming on to Cosmic Cassette and I'll speak to you then. Nice one, mate. Thank you very much. Humans, I hope you enjoyed that alien transmission. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review wherever you listened, as it really helps us reach more Earthlings. If you'd like to hear more, visit cosmiccassette.com or go to SoundCloud, where you'll find all of the episodes. If you'd like to hear more from the Mothership, go to the website and sign up for the Cosmic Transmissions newsletter, which will give you a fortnightly email with the podcast, an incredible new music recommendation, and a club night recommendation. I hope to see you again.